You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Monica Bay. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore the new legal technology and the people behind the tech here on Law Technology Now. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Law Technology Now. I'm Sean LaRocque-Doherty. And I'm Monica Bay. And we've got a great show for you today. But before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Thomson Reuters Westlaw Edge. And with us today is Alex Bateman, founder and chief executive officer at Zero, and Ryan Stedman, chief revenue officer of Zero. Zero was founded in 2015 and based in Los Gatos, California. The company brings artificial intelligence and smart automation to the legal technology market. Ryan, Alex, tell us about your roles at Zero. Sure, thanks, Monica. Uh, Ryan Stedman here. I have been involved in the legal tech industry now going a little over two decades. I've been involved working with law firms, large and small, uh, across multiple jurisdictions uh, in the United Kingdom, in the U.S. and the Asia-Pacific region. I've been involved in a handful of uh, digital transformation projects that range from billing, practice management systems, time entry, security, document management systems, so on and so forth. I'm currently based on the East Coast in uh, the U.S., uh, and my role currently with Zero is to help Zero deliver and execute on a vision uh, by way of being the most desired and delightful mobile email application for automating email management and time capture. Hi, Alex Babin here, and uh, I've been involved in software development and artificial intelligence and machine learning for over 15 years. And uh, when um, in 2015, me and my co-founders, we decided to start Zero uh, to actually bring joy and, as Ryan mentioned, delightful uh, into the process of uh, working with uh, the most annoying uh, process right now for many legal professionals, the inboxes. Uh, we decided to bring in the concept of getting the best possible uh, AI-powered product without them giving up the privacy and security. And the major goal for Zero is to make attorneys love the inboxes again. So the particular business problem that Zero solves, Alex? Zero is an automation company. And what we do is that we help people to streamline the processes. We started with uh, one of the most annoying processes, the managing emails. But basically, what Zero does is fold under three buckets. It's a productivity, increasing the productivity, uh, generating more revenue by capturing mobile uh, time spent on mobile for attorneys, 
and uh, email compliance, helping them spend time on more important the stuff that that is more important rather than uh, filing emails and doing other administrative tasks uh, that no one loves doing. So basically, what Zero does is uh, is the automation of the processes that takes a lot of time in every day's life of attorneys and legal professionals. Okay. And I understand, Alex, that uh, Zero is your second startup. Can you tell us about your first startup and what lessons you learned from that in bringing Zero to the legal tech market? <laughs> yes. Um, my first startup was also a software-related startup. It was more in a video uh, advertising space. Um, not that exciting as what we do right now. Not No AI or machine learning involved. What I learned is that the product should be built based on what the problem is, not the other way around, not the product in search of a problem, but first you define what the problem is, how you can solve it, and then you build a product. That's what we did with uh, Zero, and we took uh, a very, very detail-oriented approach on identifying what, what the problem looks like for um, attorneys and legal professionals, and then how we can effectively solve it with uh, the most advanced and uh, state-of-the-art technologies available on the market. What made you decide to call it Zero? Actually, the name Zero comes from Inbox Zero concept. Uh, if you're familiar with one, it's a concept um, introduced some time ago to uh, busy professionals, and it built around the concept that you have to have zero email in your inbox, uh, which is unrealistic for many uh, professionals, but it means that you don't have those piles of emails stuck in your inbox. You have to have this small number as possible of those emails there. But in our case, zero refers to our idea of people spending zero time on stuff that can be automated. Zero time spent on um, administrative things. No person went to law school to manage the inbox. They went to law school uh, to help people to practice law, do meaningful stuff instead of managing uh, emails. So that's why we call zero, and we think this uh, reflects our strategy pretty clearly. We want to automate as much as possible to make people spend time on important stuff. As non-lawyers, Alex and Ryan, what obstacles did you face in entering the legal tech market, and what hurdles do you continue to face? That's a great question, Sean. The obstacles that I think any entrepreneur or legal technology vendor faces in entering the legal tech market is how to understand the day in the life of a busy attorney and their busy support staff. By way of both Alex and I having a background in software and business process mapping or business process re-engineering, the goal is quite simple. And the amount of time spent by anyone, any busy professional, in their inbox is quite extraordinary. And coupled with the amount of time they spend in their inbox, humans typically have ingrained techniques that are very difficult to unlearn, especially in the absence of some kind of automation or new technology. So our approach has been quite simple. And as a theme that is embodied inside of our organization, the future of legal tech is not necessarily about building new applications. It's about building inside existing applications that law firms and their users and indeed their clients already use. 
So our journey from addressing one of the fundamental challenges in the legal sector was to build something that created a sense of familiarity for lawyers and to provide the opportunity for them to learn new techniques without them even realizing that they're doing so. Some of the other hurdles that we do face certainly relate to the apathy of considering learning something new. Lawyers interact with their inbox in a certain fashion. They file emails in a certain fashion. Some of them don't file. Uh, Others move emails from their inbox to their folders within Outlook. That deals with email management. Let's talk a little bit about time capture. Time capture is probably one of the most hazardous forms of lawyering or practicing law. And what I mean by hazardous, no one really enjoys creating time entries. So once again, what Xero has accomplished is almost complete automation of one of the most taxing and administratively burdensome activities associated with matter management. So when you short circuit the need for a lawyer to pause and think about creating a time entry or pause and think about where that email should be filed, these are all micro decisions. If you can remove some of those micro decisions from the life cycle of a matter, you're freeing up a lawyer to focus on more valuable pieces of work. And with that in mind, if there's the ability to create an invisible approach to getting certain administrative components addressed with technology, uh, it certainly does have a big impact on the lives and also the morale of lawyers. You know, they don't need to spend Sunday evening trying to reconstruct their time entries from the week or two weeks prior. They don't need to be interrupted with these micro decisions about where emails ought to be filed. So that's one of the ways that we've, you know, addressed some of those hurdles in the legal industry. Alex, how about you? Well, the question here is, being non, not an attorney or practicing attorney, how we can have a look through the every, like, every day's life of an attorney. And that, that's being done mostly through talking to people, seeing what the processes are, and trying to apply the new techniques that can help them to streamline those things. And sometimes not being an attorney gives us a pretty fresh view on how those things can be automated without actually interrupting uh, those things. Remember, from the physics, the ideal machine or ideal instrument is the one that doesn't exist, but the job is done. So we want to make sure that what we introduce to the end user, to a legal professional, an attorney, is not intrusive. It doesn't make them change their behavior a lot, but help them do less and get more. So I guess in our case, being a non-attorney or non-legal professional, uh, basically in my case, gives us some advantages of having a fresh view, fresh look at uh, what those processes are and how they can be automated. Okay, well, I can certainly support the fact that attorneys don't really enjoy slogging through their inbox and creating time entries or managing time entries. But 
Before we move on, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsor. Thomson Reuters Westlaw Edge is the most intelligent legal research platform ever. Powered by state-of-the-art artificial intelligence, Westlaw Edge delivers the fastest answers and the most valuable insights, providing you with a clear strategic advantage. The advanced features on Westlaw Edge allow legal professionals to practice with a greater degree of certainty and confidence never before available. Visit westlawedge.com to learn more. And we're back. And I'm here with Alex Babin and Ryan Stedman of Zero, And we're talking about bringing artificial intelligence to business processes in the legal tech market. And Ryan, from your expertise in business processes, do law firm business processes compare to other industries? And are firms much different than corporations, governments, or other organizations? Yes and no, Sean. Law firms certainly do have some well-known idiosyncrasies by way of business processes. When compared to other corporations, governments, or other entities, yes, the uh, the business processes are different because they serve different end goals. But in terms of the need and the desire for law firms to streamline many of those processes, they still do exist. By way of example, the number of business processes simply to create a new matter by way of conflict checking, know your clients, new matter intake, letters of engagement, right through to the closure of that matter. There are several hundreds of business processes that are connected to that one specific matter. So there's a lot of heavy lifting. There are a lot of applications that are generally speaking, quite legacy applications or legacy systems that have been inherited by the various heads of businesses that manage the business of law. As a result of those legacy systems, many of those processes become fractured, meaning that there's a lot of administrative drag, a lot of cognitive drag, and certainly a lot of decision-making that needs to happen in order to streamline those business processes. If you look at a corporation or an entity or a government department, the decision-making matrices at those entities are far more simple and far more streamlined than those which exist at law firms. And I say that as a generalization, of course. Often decisions are made through various hierarchies at law firms. And if I may say this, each partner or equity partner at a law firm is typically viewed as the CEO of a public company. Now, if you have more than one CEO of a public company that needs to make a decision, you're going to have a bit of a hard time getting overall buy-in given the structure of law firms. So if you have a couple of hundred partners or several hundred partners at a law firm, who all have a vested interest in investing in technology, there are going to be decisions that are going to take a little bit longer, and they certainly are going to need to be vetted far more significantly than, say, an ownership of a corporation or a handful of shareholders at a corporation. 
So with the tremendous interest in AI-based projects as a big promise in solving law firm problems in some of the AI projects that are currently in law firms, how can firms be successful with AI-based technology? I think they need to understand what problem they're trying to solve first. There has been an initial AI bubble, which I would be first to say that it has burst. A lot of the AI objectives lacked clarity and purpose. Having said that, the takeaway was certainly not that AI is all hype. That should be pretty much a false conclusion. Ideally, when innovative firms start thinking about specific and deliberate problems to solve, that is when they can start recognizing and identifying how to solve those problems. It may be AI or it may not be. But in essence, AI is kind of a marketing term for some basic concepts. Machine learning, pattern recognition, natural language processing, and a blend of other AI-centric principles. And using artificial intelligence to solve law firm problems, one of the strategies that we've come up with to overcome the hype is, as I alluded to earlier, and that is that legal tech and AI-driven legal tech is not necessarily about building new applications. It's about building inside of the applications that law firms and their clients already use. And in our example, we started with email and time capture within email as well. One of the other elements that we have managed to automate and this is not particularly mysterious, is the concept of wrong recipient detection on mobile devices. So everyone can understand those three concepts, email management and filing, automated time capture, and wrong recipient detection on mobile devices, which in essence also mitigates the reputational risk associated with data loss. Uh, so if we were to take the approach that there are problems that need to be solved. Let's focus on the incremental problems that need resolution, not problems that haven't really been thoughtfully considered yet. Because in actual fact, if you start with the incremental problems, you may not have the bigger problems that need solving. Well, based on that, how can law firms be assured that these AI-based processes will work? And how can attorneys even plan and assess the risks of these projects and test them out? Typically, they're done through proof of concepts. Uh, it doesn't take an awful lot to map current as-is processes and to document what those processes look like. And once you identify where the drag or the, uh, the burden inherent in those processes exist or where they may lay, uh, one would then typically look for an area to improve incrementally and systematically what those processes should look like. We call those 2B processes. And part of our role as a legal technology vendor is to identify and recognize what the current as-is business processes are, what business problem needs solving. We then go on a journey with our clients to streamline and automate those 
business problems that we're trying to solve. One example, of course, is email management. So it has a direct impact on productivity. That's a check in the box because instead of spending, who knows, 25, 30, 40 minutes a day looking for emails that need to be filed or moved into folders, if you were able to simply touch a button, quite literally, and if a machine were able to predict where each of those emails ought to be moved to or filed, you saved yourself probably 35, 40, 45 minutes a day. You've removed that administration drag. We also look at revenue gains. So if, once again, it takes two to three potentially more minutes to construct a time record, and if you were able to remove that administration, ad- administrative drag from the life cycle of a matter, you're able to, as a timekeeper or as a lawyer, focus on more value-generating tasks and activities on behalf of your matter. So once again, you're saving time on filing emails. You're removing the time taken to create narratives and create time records. And you're also speaking to the concept of compliance. So it gives you an overall picture of productivity, revenue, and compliance. And the bottom line, really, is also morale. Um, It's more of a softer uh, attribute, of course, to building in automation for some of the phases, tasks, and activities that are inherent with matter management. Well, in addition to like the inbox and time capture and wrong recipient as for compliance, what other, I guess, major operational issues do law firms face that artificial intelligence may be a solution to? Well, there are many, Sean. One of the more mainstream topics, which is where I think AI as a concept really got a lot of momentum, was in the research field. Uh, contract review, document review field. So you had an enormous number of AI solutions that could be offered to the market. The problem with that, though, is that there weren't any necessarily specific or tangible and deliberate problems to solve. So as a concept, contract review and research, you know, everyone knows how much time it consumes. Uh, But once you start lifting the layers it became a little bit more tricky to build a tech that solved very specific deliberate problems. And I think that's really how the initial AI bubble burst, because it should have burst. It lacked a little bit of clarity and purpose. And this has been the story for the most part of almost all legal tech development over the last you know, 24 to 36 months. Basically, electronically reproducing existing paper and pen-based processes with a modicum of time and efficiency gains by, you know, by way of digitally re-engineered or consolidated business processes. And that can only go so far. And the industry's reception of AI has changed these capabilities to really fiber internet speeds and, and you know, significant gigabytes of, of bandwidth. With that, what's next for Zero? Well, we do have a mission. And... Part of that mission is to become the most desired mobile email application used across all lawyers who need to interact with their email. 
We've also introduced the desktop companion, which is another example of automation and one-touch filing by way of moving emails into your inbox. So we do have a plan to introduce new techniques that are very hard to learn for all attorneys who are simply struggling with the overwhelming amount of email activity that pervades the industry. There are a handful of additional roadmap items, which we'll be announcing over the next several months, about other areas of simple but quite elegant automation of very common uh, activities associated with the life cycle of matter management. Well, thank you, Ryan. And thank you, Alex, very much for spending your time with us. This has been another edition of Law Technology Now on the Legal Talk Network. If you like what you heard today, please rate us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. Join us in the next edition of Law Technology Now. I'm Sean LaRocque-Doherty. I'm Monica Bay. And we are signing off. more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.